Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Now that the June window has come and gone, it's time for us to update our World Cup roster as we look towards the 2022 Qatar World Cup in November. Now, we have been tracking this roster ever since November of last year, uh, so we're going to update it and show you guys how it's changed throughout the months, throughout World Cup qualifying and everything else that has led us up to this point. Instead of being a 23-man roster, as is tradition, this will be a 26-man roster, so I've added the uh, additional three players to make it a 26-man roster roster uh, to reflect that. Now, although there's been a lot of consistency all the way through for the last few months now, I think the back of the roster has been shaken up from uh, time to time. And I think this June window taught us a lot of things not all of them positive. Uh, I think we found that our top guys, the guys that we know are stars on this team, uh, are playing really well and they're playing really well together. Uh, But that back half of the roster, those final positions, uh, I I don't know that we saw a lot to love. And I think we'll see that as we go through this list. Now let's stop wasting time and jump right into it. That's what we're going to do on this episode of the Yank Report. What's up? My name is Sam. This is the Yank Report, the show we talk about the U.S. Men's National Team. If you're into that, subscribe, hit the like button, leave a comment, be nice to each other in the comments section, all that good stuff. Now let's jump in with the goalkeepers. And the goalkeeper position has really been four guys for the last 10 months now. Uh, that is Zach Steffen, Matt Turner, Sean Johnson, and Ethan Horvath. Now from November of 2021 to February of 2022, I had Zach Steffen, Matt Turner, and Sean Johnson as my three heading to Qatar. Uh, it wasn't until April of 2022 that I actually switched uh, Sean Johnson with Ethan Horvath. That was around the time where uh, Ethan was starting to get a few starts for his club uh, and it was seen that maybe he would be a guy that we could rely upon in Qatar. In this last window, unfortunately for Ethan Horvath, uh, he did give up the the really rough goal against El Salvador in that mud pit um, that that I think is going to hurt him, especially whenever you consider that Sean Johnson uh, had a really nice game against Uruguay. Sean Johnson adds a lot of intangibles to this squad. This is a squad without a lot of veteran leadership. Uh, Sean Johnson can provide that. He seems to to be a really great locker room guy. He seems to be a guy uh, that is content with being that third man on the goalkeeper roster. Now, the big question mark is definitely going to be who's going to be the starter. I think it's Matt Turner's job to lose at this point, but we do know that uh, Greg Berhalter seems to have a soft spot for Zach Steffen. Now, the coming months are going to be really interesting with um, Matt Turner heading to Arsenal and Zach Steffen seemingly remaining at Manchester City. Uh, None of these guys uh, outside of Sean Johnson is really going to be getting a lot of first team minutes with their uh, club. So I think that this September window is going to be really important in seeing who's ultimately going to be the guy uh, as we move towards November and the World Cup. Before we get to the next position group, let's take a moment to hear a word from today's sponsor. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including the latest odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join or use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Now let's move to a position group that has seen a number of shakeups in the U.S. Men's National Team road to Qatar, the center backs. Now way back in February, we had some switch-ups with John Brooks, Matt Miazga, 
Aaron Long, and Mark McKenzie. We had John Brooks as the top guy, followed by Chris Richards, Miles Robinson, and Walker Zimmerman. In April, that morphed into Walker Zimmerman, Miles Robinson, Chris Richards, and Aaron Long. And finally, in June, we settled upon Walker Zimmerman, Chris Richards, Aaron Long, Cameron Carter-Vickers, and Eric Palmer-Brown. Now, I think it's pretty clear at this part that Walker Zimmerman is the guy and also that John Brooks is not going to be a part of this squad. I don't think we really need to get into that. I think if you've been following this team, uh, you're pretty aware of that situation and, and what's going on there. The big question in everyone's mind is who is going to be that second center back uh, pairing next to Walker Zimmerman in the World Cup? The big hope was that in the June window, one of Aaron Long, CCV, or EPB were going to step up and really show themselves to be uh, a solid option uh, next to Walker Zimmerman. I can't say that any of them did. Uh, I think that coming into the camp, Aaron Long was the was the guy who was getting the, the majority of the reps, followed by uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers and followed by EPB. And I think that leaving the camp, uh, those guys stayed in the same order. I, I think in Greg Berhalter's mind, it's still going to be Aaron Long, followed by CCV, followed by EPB. Now, the big hope is that Chris Richards uh, can start the season healthy, that he can get playing time, and he'll be that guy next to Walker Zimmerman. There's rumors of Chris Richards potentially staying at Bayern. There's rumors connecting him to uh, Crystal Palace and the EPL. There's rumors connecting him all over the place. There's rumors popping up every day about where the potential whereabouts for Chris Richards will be uh, as we head into the next season. But with those rumors come uncertainty. And that is a scary thing that the U.S. is uh, best hope for the second center back is a guy that we don't really know where he's going to be or what his situation is going to be, how much playing time he's actually going to get uh, as the new season starts. So that's definitely something to look to because I was not impressed by any of the three other guys that were in the June window. Now with fullbacks, I'm going to just lump them all together right here. I think the U.S. is going to take four. I think it's going to be Anthony Robinson, Serginio Dest, Reggie Cannon, and DeAndre Yedlin. And I think similar to the center back situation, I was hoping that during the June window, one of uh, Joe Scally or George Bello was going to step up and show themselves to be a reliable backup left back option as we head to Qatar. I don't think either of those guys were impressive at all. In fact, I think both those guys were among the least impressive players that we got to see uh, throughout the June window, which is really disappointing. Now, throughout World Cup qualifying, or at least the back half of World Cup qualifying uh, over in that left-back position, Anthony Robinson played every single minute, and Greg Berhalter was only calling up one left-back for a lot of those windows. He was saying that these right-backs could potentially play left-back. Now, moving on to the right-back position, there is more uncertainty there. Because while Serginho Das is expected to be the top guy, he's one of the most talented players in the group. Behind them, there's even more question marks. I mean, when it comes to DeAndre Yedlin, uh, though he's put in some serviceable performances uh, throughout World Cup qualifying and beyond, I think serviceable is about the ceiling that we're going to get from DeAndre Yedlin at this point. Doesn't offer a lot in possession, doesn't offer a lot in the buildup, and his service into the box has never been really a strong suit from him. His biggest attribute is speed, and that's slowing down a little bit. However, he seems to be uh, a wonderful presence in the locker room. He'll be the only player on this roster with World Cup experience, and, and I think he brings a lot of intangibles to this team. I think that's understood, so I think his his spot, his, his seat uh, to Qatar is not in question. Now, Reggie Cannon, I was hoping for a lot from Reggie Cannon in this window. I think his flexibility and what he offers positionally uh, is going to be very important for the U.S. moving to Qatar, but I think 
he needs to be playing that right center back position. Whenever we saw him covering as more of a right back, uh, he did get burned a few times there. And, and I think ultimately that's what we're going to get from Reggie Cannon. I think he's a player that's going to have good games and bad games. And you just kind of got to hope that whenever he's on the field, uh, it, it's going to be a good game. Now, I'm foreshadowing a little bit, but I do wonder about Shaq Moore. Uh, Shaq Moore, of course, came into uh, World Cup qualifying in that last window and started that Panama game and, and put together a pretty serviceable performance himself. And he's also also uh, one of those versatile players that potentially could cover at left back uh, and right back as well. He was not a part of the June window. Um, maybe it's because Greg Berhalter preferred the other guys, but also it could be that Tanner Reef, his club team, uh, was looking at that promotional playoff, uh, and that was a very important thing for his club side. So maybe if he was available, he would have been called in, and maybe with the performance of some of the uh, right backs and left backs in this camp, He'll be an option uh, at that fullback position. But right now, I'm just naming those four guys. I think it's going to be one left back and Anthony Robinson, and it's going to be the three right backs that we've been seeing uh, throughout the last few call-ups uh, for this roster. At defensive midfielder, we got a little bit of a shakeup. Now, it's basically been Kellen Acosta and Tyler Adams covering this position uh, throughout our uh, World Cup roster predictions. Jackson Ewell did make uh, the, the roster at one point, but he's kind of been replaced pretty quickly. Uh, and the expectation coming into this window that it was going to be those two guys, Tyler Adams and Kellen Acosta. Well, it looks like Luca De La Torre's has added his name to that list. And, and that's the result of a couple of different things. Uh, I, I think the first thing is that uh, with Brendan Aronson coming into the midfield, that kind of pushed him down the line. And, and he's just too good of a player to leave off the field. So we saw Greg Berhalter uh, experimenting with Luca De La Torre in that sixth spot. And I think he showed himself uh, to be a, a very useful player in that spot, especially in the back half of games, whenever uh, things are a little bit more open and there's not as much defensive responsibility uh, and he can get upfield and get involved in the attack. Uh, I think another thing tactically that we saw in this June window is that instead of running uh, that three-man midfield with, um, with one midfielder back to six and then two advanced midfielders, Oftentimes, we would f see a two-man double pivot system uh, where one of those midfielders could be able to get forward and get into the attack, and it, it was a little bit more balanced as opposed to just Tyler Adams being the lone man back there. And what that's allowed uh, Greg Burrell to do is bring somebody like Luca De La Torre into this group uh, and potentially uh, fill that void of uh, what's going to happen if Tyler Adams is not available. And, you know, you can't say enough about what Luca De La Torre added in that El Salvador game with not only the service uh, to Jordan Morris on the uh, game-tying goal, but a few other uh, really nice services into the box and just showing his quality. I think every time that Luca De La Torre uh, has been on the field for the national team, he has shown his quality. I don't think that he's sur surpassed Tyler Adams and that we'll see uh, Luca De La Torre starting in that sixth spot anytime soon, but I do think we're going to see uh, what we saw against El Salvador uh, where late in the game if the U.S. needs a goal and the other team is bunkering that Luca De La Torre will come in as an option at that sixth spot. He potentially could cover in the attacking midfield as well uh, but I think that that will be his primary role at least right now in this moment in time. Now we move up to the attacking midfielders, and we have seen a ton of attacking midfielders thrown uh, at this group. In February, it moved to Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, Brendan Aronson, and Sebastian Legette. Uh, way back in November, we started with 
Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, Jean-Luc Abusio, and Sebastian Legette. In April, that moved on to Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, Luke De La Torre, and Jean-Luc Abusio. And finally, after this June window, we've arrived at Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, and Brendan Aronson. So that's only three names, but there's a lot of cover there because I think both Luca De La Torre uh, and Kellen Acosta have both prove themselves to uh, be able to cover at that eight position. Uh, I'd much rather see Luca De La Torre as that eight than Kellen Acosta. I think Kellen Acosta's role is killing a game, just adding a more defensive player into the mix uh, if if that's what we're looking for, just to kill off uh, the last 20 minutes of a game or something like that. But I, I think the big wrinkle that we saw in the June window was bringing Brendan Aronson into that eight position, and that could project to mean somebody like uh, Gio Reyna could also fill in that role. So I think that our cover at the eight spot has grown a little bit throughout the June window and really uh, the versatility uh, tactically and player-wise added to this roster has been probably the best thing that came out of this June window in my opinion. Uh, So I'm pretty happy even though we've we've slowly uh, pared it down. I I think that these three names uh, have all come up big in different situations. Uh, I'm really excited about the play of Yunus Musa. I think he's grown tremendously uh, from the first time we saw him till now. And Weston McKinney, even though he's injured right now or, or returning from injury right now and not in great form, I think peak Weston McKinney, once he gets his form back, is, I mean, arguably he was the best player uh, throughout World Cup qualifying whenever he was on the field. Now, in the winger position, we haven't seen a lot of movement there. It has pretty much been Pulisic, Weah, Reyna, and Aronson all the way throughout with brief appearances from Jordan Morris here or there. Now, now that the roster has changed a little bit and and Brendan Aronson has been popping up in that midfield position, it opens up an opportunity for somebody else to come into the midfield. Also, because we've gone from a 23-man roster to the 26-man roster, I think there's another area to add somebody to that winger position. Now, let's start at the top. Uh, Christian Pulisic uh, has been the the star boy for the U.S. uh, throughout this World Cup qualifying cycle. And I think, uh, especially in this June window, he's come up very big. I think we've seen the best uh, from Christian Pulisic in this June window that we've seen throughout uh, this World Cup qualifying cycle. He seems to be getting on the ball in better positions and, and become more influential. I think a lot of that has to do with tactical changes where we swap from three men into the midfield to two men in the midfield. And that just declutters the space, allows him to drop in and turn and get the ball, pick up the ball in the positions that he likes uh, and get his face up towards goal with options in front of him and space in front of him so he can take players on or he can dish it out and, and run on. Uh, just just a lot more effective Christian Pulisic. Uh, Tim Weah has been effective throughout World Cup qualifying, one of our best players throughout World Cup qualifying, one of the heroes of World Cup qualifying. We saw a few tactical wrinkles with Tim Weah in the June window, which were really interesting. Uh, whenever we did swap, to that three-man back line with Reggie Cannon operating as a uh, dual right back and right center back. Tim Weah occupied that uh, essentially the right back position or the right wing back position, the furthermost wide player on the right. And that was a really interesting tactical wrinkle. You know, the debate is always raging on of, of, of a full strength U.S. Men's National Team. Who do you take off for someone like Gio Reyna? And at this point, it seems like a lot of people have settled on the fact, on the idea that you cannot take Tim Weah off the field, that he has played himself into a no-doubt starter. Uh, so that maybe uh, opens up different positions for Gio Reyna or makes Gio Reyna a sub. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself. I have Gio Reyna on the list. He's a player that we've seen so very little of through 
throughout this World Cup qualifying cycle. But whenever he's been on the field, he's been an absolute menace. Um, I mean, he's just one of the most talented attacking players that we have. Maybe the most talented attacking player that we have. Uh, unfortunately for Gio Reyna, we haven't seen much of him, and that means he hasn't had this opportunity to gel with the squad. I think it can't be argued at this point that the squad now versus the squad, like let's say the first time we saw the MMA midfield in that uh, Jamaica World Cup qualifier way back in Austin, way way those months ago, uh, compared to now has been uh, uh, just so much better. And I think so much of that is just minutes on the field, playing together, uh, learning the system, tweaking things here and there and getting better. Gio Reyna won't have the luxury of any of that. He's just going to be thrown into that September window and we're going to have to pretty much get what we can get from Gio Reyna. Uh, that kind of is the reason why I know a lot of people are like talking about Gio Reyna potentially as a false nine or seeing him in these position, different positions. Um, I, I, I question that a little bit because we just haven't had enough time and we won't have enough time to kind of really experiment at this point uh, just because he's been out with injury for so long uh, away from this squad. But all that being said, he's such a phenomenal player uh, that I, I think he's he's going to find ways to impact this roster. Now, that leaves us with a fourth winger option. And there's a couple of guys we can throw out there. Uh, Paul Ariola, uh Jordan Morris, um, Christian Roldan. I know uh, some of the some of the fan base's favorite players. Now, I did throw out there as one of my five key takeaways from the El Salvador game that really, whenever you're evaluating uh, Jordan Morris versus Paul Ariola, I think Paul Ariola has been the better player throughout MLS at the beginning of the season. But I think whenever we move up to the international game, I think some of the uh, the, the just the issues in physicality with Paul Ariola uh, just really come to bear. He's not a very big player. He's not a very strong player he gets thrown off the ball easily and he tends to disappear at the international level and Jordan Morris on the other hand while he seems to have lost a little bit like a step or two uh, since he's returned to injury his technical ability just doesn't seem to be there he hasn't really found that finishing touch that he had uh, whenever he was the U.S. Men's National Team leading scorer prior to his big injury Uh, what he does offer is he's just a big human being And, and I think we see that whenever he's on the field for the national team uh, he's not going to be as technical as Pulisic or Weah or Rainer or anybody else like that. Uh, but he's just a big physical body. And I think if it's late in the game and you need to bring somebody on as an attacking sub to get in the box and, and kind of throw his shoulders around, throw his weight around, and, and just be a menace in the box that can make something happen, whether it be you know getting on a header like he did in the El Salvador game to tie it up, or just redirecting a ball or just getting a, you know, just making something happen by being a physical presence in the box. I think that can be Jordan Morris's role. And whenever I look around at the rest of the squad, the rest of the squad makeup, we just don't have a lot of these big physical guys throughout the roster in that forward line. I think our big physical guys are the the, the center backs and maybe Weston McKinney. Outside of that, uh, we don't have a lot of that presence in the box. I think that's where Jordan Morris's role is with that team. I prefer him over Paul Ariola for those reasons. Uh, so I think that that's what Greg Berhalter would go with ultimately. Now we come to the striker position, the number nine, the thing that everyone is talking about, who's going to play nine for the U.S. men's national team. And if you believe what Greg Berhalter says, at least uh, with his latest interview, I think with CNN, uh, he don't know. 
He's the same boat as everybody else. He don't know. We don't know. I think it's still uh, open. I, I was really hoping that Jesus Ferreira would kind of grab hold of that striker role. And although I did like some of the things that Jesus did in this June window, I think he did prove that he can create scoring opportunities against World Cup caliber defenses. Uh, his inability to put those away uh, and just his inability to really grab hold of the role uh, was a little bit disappointing. Now, that being said, I don't know that anybody else really stepped up in that role and showed that that they can be more effective for than uh, Jesus Ferreira. Now let's check out who we've had because it's really been a who's who of strikers in the U.S. Men's National Team pool. In February, we moved on to Josh Sargent and Giassi Zardes. In November, we had Ricardo Pepe and Josh Sargent. In April, we had Ricardo Pepe and Jesus Ferreira for the first time. And now in June, I am going with Jesus Ferreira, Ricardo Pepe, and maybe my biggest reach of the video, Josh Sargent. Now, the reason why I'm going with Josh Sargent is I think whenever I look at the attackers available right now, not the, just the strikers, but the wingers as well, I think what you're missing is a little bit of that physical presence. And I think Josh Sargent offers that. Uh, Josh Sargent, much like uh, Ricardo Pepe and Jesus Ferreira, his off-the-ball work is just unbelievable. Uh, he's a really great defensive striker, and he can also be played in that winger position. And just like I mentioned previously with Jordan Morris as a guy that you can throw on late in the game, uh, whether at winger or at striker or whatever, and just be uh, kind of a presence in the box, I, I think that that could potentially be something good. I'm also hoping that when Josh Sargent moves down to the championship that he'll be able to uh, get in some more dangerous positions on a more regular basis and, and hopefully score some goals. Now that being said, that's a bit of a reach because we just haven't seen him demonstrate that at a professional level on a regular basis at all throughout his career. Uh, maybe going down a level will be good, but... I, I just can't say that for a fact right now. So this is me as a Josh Sargent fan, hoping that once he hits that championship level, that he'll be hitting the back of the net on a regular basis and will get himself to the striker position. I think Josh Sargent was one of the big winners of this June window because people started talking about Josh Sargent left and right uh, after, let's say, uh, Haji Wright was, uh, I, he was okay, I, I guess. I I, I didn't feel like he's someone that like we absolutely need to see more of. Uh, I, I know that there's a lot of debate on that topic, but uh, I, I'm hoping that that Josh Sargent can be that guy. Also hoping that Ricardo Pepe can return to form, uh, that this offseason will treat him well and, and will get him uh, back to being that menace in the box like we saw uh, whenever he was with FC Dallas and maybe even a little bit whenever he started with uh, Osberg uh, and, and that Jesus Ferreira continues his form that we're seeing one of the top goal scorers in MLS. Now, I will say that the three of these guys is uh, not the most optimistic position on the list. And I think whoever we have at striker, uh, we're not going to have a top striker at the World Cup. I mean, it's just too late at this point. Uh, I think that's just, just going to be a positional weakness no matter how you slice it. Now, with all that said, if you are keeping track at home, I just named 25 players. And of course, this is a 26-man roster. So there is one more guy that we add to the roster. And you can go a couple of different ways with this. Uh... I have a few guys that it could potentially be. I mean, Christian Roldan has been that coach on the field, vibes guy, that locker room guy uh, that Greg Berhalter has heralded uh, throughout this World Cup cycle. Uh, Paul Ariola uh, has been a player that's been brought on a number of times. He has a ton of energy. 
Shaq Moore is an interesting player because he could cover at the left back position and potentially maybe add a little bit more than Cannon as a right back. I don't know. I don't really know where Shaq Moore fits, uh, but it seems like only going in with uh, four right back or four fullbacks uh, is a little bit dangerous, but I- I'm not sure how that's going to shake out. And Malik Tillman's probably the last guy, uh, a young player that I think we saw some really good things from in this June window, but also saw that maybe he's not quite ready for this, this level yet that he's got a little bit more um, learning to do that he's a little bit green for this moment in time so with all that said without like a true guy that like I really think it should be I think it's going to be Christian Roldan Uh, I think that the uh, locker room stuff what he brings off the field I know people like the idea of taking your absolute best lineup possible but with a 26 man roster there's going to be guys that just absolutely never dress that never see the field and and I think uh, Christian Roldan understands his role in this group and is perfectly content with going to guitar with the idea that he's never going to dress, that he's never going to get an opportunity to show what he can do on the field, but still find ways to contribute to the group uh, as a player in the locker room. So that's my best guess is who Greg's going to take with that last seat to guitar. Now, all that being said, I, I think we can look at this roster and say, you know, we got a lot of concerns at center back. We got some concerns at goalkeeper and we absolutely have some concerns at striker. Uh, but then again, this team has looked very good against some quality competition. Uh, so the the uh, odds makers having us be the second team out of the group and getting to that round of 16, it seems like it's well within reach of this group. But I'm curious what you guys think. Are, are there players on this list that you disagree with? Do you think there's guys who should be on this list that weren't discussed in this video the big question is like who are those last three guys or those last two guys who, who are going to be the last few guys to get that plane ticket to guitar i'm curious who you think they are and, and more importantly why why are you going with these guys let me know in the comments section si puede hablar espanol dígame un comentario en espanol if you want the yank report in podcast form you can download the yank report podcast anywhere podcasts are podcasted Thanks to the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, Thank you for subscribing and liking. And and if you really want to support the channel, you can become a member. Members get access to cool badges. They get behind-the-scenes content. Sometimes I I reach out to them to get some, uh, just get some some advice and some feedback over in the member section. Uh, Shout out to my tier two members, Manuel Alivares, Mike Irish, Chris Matassa, Matt Doyle, and Matthew Hanna. Guys, thank you so much for watching. My name is Sam. This is the Anchor Board brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.